Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Warhorse Journal, where we connect with authors, artists, and authentic equestrians from across the country and around the world. Today on the Warhorse Journal, I had the opportunity to speak with author and authentic equestrian Claire Eckert. Claire has authored books that highlight the endurance world, such as The Race Against Time and The Gallant series, as well as having authored a children's book called Bentley and the Magic Stick. Claire loves to create a beautiful blend of fiction and reality. She is an equestrian, an author, a mother, a poet, a grandmother, and a songwriter. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Claire, we are so happy to have you on the Warhorse Journal. And did you know that you are one of the main reasons we decided to create a second podcast? Well, that's really cool. <laughs> um, it's, it's fun that I think there are more of authors writing about the Tevis and about endurance and just about life's challenges on horseback. So I think that's, uh, that's a really great thing. Yeah, I think post-pandemic, um, it just got my wheels turning more, too, because there wasn't a lot to talk about on Endurance Horse Podcast when there were no events. So, and you had contacted me about your Gallant series, and, and you know, I was back and forth about my husband and like, oh, you know, like if I'm not careful, we're going to overrun this theme in Endurance Horse Podcast, especially during the pandemic time. And it's going to be so many other things than what it originally was. And so I thought, why don't I just make a second podcast? And it was your tenacity of asking me about <laughs> being on there that kind of pushed it because I was like, you know, I do want to talk about these things and I do want to share them but maybe under a different umbrella. And then so this is how the War Horse Journal podcast came to be. There was a percentage of it that goes right back to you. So thank you. Oh, well, you are very welcome. And, and I'm, I'm really happy that you're doing this because it is so fun to talk about. And of course, we've got the Tevis Cup coming up here. And mm -hmm. so um, it's, it's great timing to talk about some of these, these books that are set around Tevis and the endurance world and other things, you know, that are inspirational. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about you as a writer, and where did your writing journey begin? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, the, the short version is I really didn't start officially writing, um, at least not book-length writing, until just a few years ago. And it was one of those things, I think, um, people who are the age group that I'm in now, which is um, kind of creeping towards my late 50s, and so this was my, my mid-50s that I started doing this, um, you know, I wasn't ready to, to stop doing new adventures in life, mm. and I didn't want to be thinking about retiring and winding down. I wanted to be thinking about what can my life experience and my education and, um, you know, my passions, what can that bring to me in the future? And writing was just a, a, one of the things that I knew I wanted to do. I, I actually began um, doing some songwriting um, back in my early 50s, and that was an incredible experience because I got to work with some, some very cool people. I got to travel to Nashville and do a little bit of recording there. Um, had a song that was put into a movie, and then um, it kind of came full circle with this latest project with the book Race Against Time, where I wrote a song to uh, go with the book, which we were able to use in the documentary um, about her her journey, about Kyla and Natalie and Flash and every every character that we introduced in the book. So it, it began with that, one of those crazy things, because I am not a songwriter, I am not a musician, I cannot sing, <laughs> so, so 
So not sure why writing songs popped into my head, but it was something I'd always had a passion for. And it, and, and writing the words, doing the vocals came very naturally to me. And then I knew what the melody needed to be. And I found out that there are these incredible musicians who, you know, you can literally just sing it to them um, and they will play it and write it down and, and create, you know, the music that can, can go with the words. So it was really rewarding time for me in, in a creative way, but I realized that I wanted to take that journey a little further, and so that's when I decided to start writing books. I think that's beautiful. You know, there's been a lot of things in the last, you know, half a dozen years that I have decided to learn and do, and, and they were a surprise, and um, maybe you need to write a book about, about Second Wind, because I do think that's not portrayed well out in the world of that, you know, 50 and after, you might just have some of the most brilliant things in your life happen, really. Do you know, I, I have to say that I really feel that way. You know, I, I feel like everything that led up to turning 50 was like the practice run. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's happened since has been kind of the reward, you know, and still very challenging. And of course, ups and downs, but just really getting a chance to live the life that I I feel like I was born to live. And I think that really only happened after I turned 50. And you have to go through a lot in life to get to that point. And of course, for some people, it's going to happen sooner. But for me, that was definitely the case. And and I know that for a lot of uh, my friends, you know, I see them doing incredible things um, once they're in a slightly more mature place in their life. And uh, I just think we have better perspective. You know, we have a story mm-hmm. behind us a lot. We've experienced a lot. We've, we've seen our friends go through a lot. And we just have a different perspective on life. And I know that I certainly couldn't have written the books that I have without having that because they're pretty emotional books. So I think there's, um, there's a lot going for us people who are in the second half, you know, of our life. I do. So, I wish somebody yeah. would have held up a sign and let me know that. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah. I, I'm glad it's here. I'm glad I, I am enjoying yeah. um, life after 50. Um, so I wondered, how did horses become your topic of choice? And does that have something to do with how did horses um, become a part of your life? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I started off like, like a lot of kids, just, just being fascinated with horses. I was fortunate that my stepmother ran a riding school in England, which is where I grew up. And so I was introduced to riding quite early in my life. Of course, went through a phase where I, I got away from that in my sort of later teenage years and then moving to the States and getting married and having kids, you know, just, just didn't have a lot of opportunity to spend time with horses. But I got back into it in my 30s. Um, and my husband, my husband, Troy, grew up riding as well. Um, and so we had that shared passion and we decided, you know, to make it a part of our lives again. And we're fortunate to be able to do that. So we got into endurance. Oh gosh. I don't know, probably 25 years ago. Um, and we both loved it. And I have to say he's a lot more competitive than I am and has racked up a lot more miles and has done, uh, very well in endurance. And I have enjoyed doing, uh, you know, some fifties and some twenty fives and a lot of crewing and just kind of being a part of the world because for me, a big part of the endurance world are the friendships and the mm-hmm. relationships that you make, um, either out there on the trail or in ride camp. And so 
it just I, a lot of your your listeners will understand if if they're involved with endurance, it's a community, mm-hmm. and that community just became a big part of our lives that we didn't want to let go. Uh, so, and, and then of course the relationship with your horse when you're riding a lot of miles, both in training and in competition, it's a whole different kind of relationship than you might have in sports where you're not spending quite as much time with them uh, mm-hmm. or going through quite so many ups and downs, you know, literally and figuratively mm-hmm. on those tracks. You know, it's just a relationship that is is so rewarding. So we've been fortunate to have some really good horses come into our lives. And I think because of that, I was naturally drawn to writing about those experiences. And and also, um, you know, my, my main book series, um, Gallant, which is um, a three-part series, and the second one's coming out very, very soon, um, that was that was inspired by Julie Sir, who is one of my dearest friends, and I love her so much. And I was inspired to write this book because it was based on her childhood and some of the experiences that she's had. And it developed into, uh, you know, much more of a fictional series, um, but definitely inspired by her. And there's a lot of a lot of references throughout the book that she experienced and, and went through. And the main horse in the book is inspired by H.C.C. Gazal, who was one of her main horses. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, that threw me into the world of writing this fictional series, which was incredible. I still have the last book to do. I'm I'm so excited to be getting ready to start writing it. I just took this opportunity then to do the the nonfiction book, which is Race Against Time, which just was published. And that's, of course, a true story about Kyla Law, who was 13 at the time that she finished Tevis on her Hackney Pony Flash. Um, He became the smallest horse to ever finish Tevis. And the book is very much about their journey, their four-year journey leading up to it, and then their experience. So, you know, again, it's more life paths that have led me to these horse stories that I wanted to tell more than a conscious uh, a conscious decision that, oh, I'm going to be an author and I'm going to write about horses. That's just the way that my journey's taken me. And, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, I've already started writing books that are not about horses, but I mm-hmm. think this will always be one of my passions um, and, and something I'll come back to. Previous to speaking with you, we had done an interview that'll come out right before this with Simona Blakely, who also has a book out, Chasing Dreams. And it is about Tevis also. But saying that, you know, that that's all those books are about just doesn't quite cover it. I did watch the video you sent me. It was quite moving. Thank you so much for sending me that and the song that you wrote. So saying that your book is about Tevis is really general because I know you have woven in so many more elements into your work, such as faith and family and a very sensitive topic that seems to actually sadly be on the rise today, which is bullying. There is so much more to your work, Race Against Time, than just the Tevis, but can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with your title and what your title means to you, and touch on some of those other aspects that are more about life and not just about horses, because I do think these books can apply to a larger audience that isn't necessarily equines yeah i'm glad you brought that up because uh one of the challenges when you put out a book like this is to to market it to the non-horse world 
You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a given that people who are interested in horses and interested in, in Tevis and the endurance world are going to be interested in, in hearing this story. But it's harder to get it out beyond that um, to other people that, that you know would be touched and who would find some common um, experiences with what uh, Kyla and her family went through in this book. And honestly, there is quite a bit of... Kyla struggles with her faith and, and her relationship with God in this book, uh, but it's it's part of her journey. Not um, it, it's not overly done. Uh, we were concerned about, um, and some people, you know, not comfortable with reading a lot about faith or discussing faith, and so we didn't want to alienate those people. But I think the the, the feedback that I've got is that people have really appreciated that that was part of Kyla's journey and an important part of her journey and that we had to include it. It wouldn't have been the same book without that. My journey through this was interesting. Getting to know this family, I have to say, I was a little bit concerned when I first met them because I wasn't sure, you know, how that was going to play out. Um, And I got to say, I was embraced by this family. I totally fell in love with all of them. Um, especially Kyla and Natalie, who I got to know the best, but the whole family are incredible. Um, and learning about them and seeing how they lived through their faith was, was actually one of the, the most surprising and rewarding experiences for me um, in, in writing this. So, so I was really grateful that this book led me to being exposed to that. And it made me think a lot more about the role of faith in my own life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other things in, in the book, you, you mentioned the bullying. Uh, you know, I didn't know when I first met Tyla and Natalie and we talked about doing the story. I really didn't know what was going to unfold. And, in fact, when we first started talking about it, I, I had just said, hey, it would be fun to do a kid's book because how inspiring is it? You know, and, and Flash would be so cute in a kid's book. And I'd done kid's books before, and I have an amazing um, illustrator. And, you know, I could just see what she would do with, uh, you know, with, with Flash and Kyla. And, and so that was our initial idea. And then through a series of, of interviews as we were establishing uh, what the story was going to be, I realized that there was no way that we could fit all of these mm. different themes that we needed to include to to illustrate, you know, to show her story in a kid's book. So we had to go for a full-length nonfiction novel-length book. At least a half of the the book, maybe a little bit more, is is that four-year journey before they even set foot um, on the Tevis Trail. And I think that that appeals to everybody, Um, everybody who is part of the family, and then this huge challenge of what she was going through in school with the bullying. And it was very hard for for Natalie even talking about it because as a parent of a child that you could see changing, you know, before your eyes, um, as far as her her personality because of what she was going through. And um, honestly, they ended up moving several states to a whole new area to get away from it. That was the impetus for their move. Turn this around. And, and, and like you said, it's not all horse-related. There are so many things that, that are being told. And I think it ends up being so inspiring because of that, because it's not just about completing one of the, the most difficult races um, that you can do on horseback. It's, it's about what it takes um, you know, how it affects your human spirit and what kind of person you are and how you overcome 
so many odds to even get to the starting line. And I, and I think those are the, the interesting things to read about this book. You know, I just think that's what people really attach to. And then, and then the second part of the book, which is about her Tevis journey, you're, you're so drawn into the characters by that point because you've traveled down this road with them and got to know them so well that then it makes mm-hmm. that part of the book so much better because you're just rooting for them, you know? You just want to see Kyla and and you know overcome her fears and uh, it's just a, a beautiful journey for Natalie and Kyla together um, as well as for Kyla and Flash and and I do have a little bit of a crush on Natalie's horse Brave so <laughs> I, had make, I had to make sure he got some good attention in the book because he is one good looking horse and quite mm-hmm. a character so he had to have his, his moment of fame too but oh my gosh I feel so privileged to to know this family and to have been able to to write their story I, I don't know how this this happened to me to be able to do this but I am so privileged and it's become part of my life journey and do you know as you're talking about this I think sometimes in this um short little bite social media and news cycles that we get and reels and the instagrams where everybody's like oh I already heard about that you know like oh I heard this mm-hmm. bit about it or I heard that bit or maybe even just listening to this podcast and think oh I got the overview of it but I think mm-hmm. what the beauty is in re- in reading a book is it's mm-hmm. like that illustration that we all see going around the internet you know, makes its rounds where it is um you know the tip of the iceberg so you see the you see yeah. the tip of the iceberg that little bit at the top where somebody won something and you don't see the rest of the body of work holding it up under the water which is massive right so I think the beauty in writing a book and reading a book is that you get to see all this foundation that held up for that one moment, which is a lot. It's beautiful. And I think it's it's important because maybe if people knew more of backstories, they wouldn't let judgment or envy make them be judgmental or bullyish. Ben. It's just been such a blessing. Can you share with me how you came up with the title for your book, Race Against Time? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, a little controversial, as you can probably imagine. If you understand the world of endurance, you know that, um, you know, a lot of people aren't riding to, to race. They're just riding to experience the trails and to finish and to have that relationship with their horse and with the beautiful scenery that they're riding through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Myself included, but a lot of the people that are on the Tevis board and a lot of people that are in the world of endurance had a concern about using race against time. And I explained to them that really it was not anything to do with the race, the title. Race against time referred to the fact that when Kyla first got Flash, who is a 12 to, uh, you know, tiny pony. I mean, he really is small. By the time she did Tevis at 13, she had grown so much, and there was a lot of questions hanging over the fact that would she be too tall to ride him? Would she be too big to ride him? Mm-hmm. You know, would she ever be make this part of her dream with him come true? And so really the race against time in the title referred to that, that it truly mm-hmm. was whether these two would be able to accomplish what they had set as as their goal. And, you know, it was a nail-biting um, time for her. And especially because, if you recall, during during a couple of years before that, Tevis, we were going through a worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. with COVID. So there were a lot of endurance rides that were canceled. Uh, their training schedule, you know, got kind of tossed to the wind. 
they couldn't do the Tevis that was the year before in 2020 because it was canceled due to COVID. So there was a whole year of growing that Kyla went through from what would have been their shot at Tevis in 2020 to when they actually did Tevis. But, you know, as it turned out, uh, you know, she she grew very tall, but she didn't grow very heavy. <laughs> so from a weight perspective, she was still really light and it and it just worked out. You know, she was able to do it. But if you look at any of the pictures of her riding him, you know, you can see that her legs are hanging down well below his girth and, and she's, uh, you know, definitely pushing the limits as far as height to be riding a 12-hand a two-pony. So that, that was the interesting part. So we chose to go with that title, you know, fit the book really well and you know I think once people I, I sent a copy of the book to to everyone on the board of, of Tevis because uh, I knew that that would be a concern to win them over and it really does fit the book perfectly and when people read it they do understand that there were several races going on you know, mm-hmm. within the book certainly it wasn't just about Tevis. And truly the race against time isn't about um, Tevis being a race, it's about the fact that little girls grow up and ponies stay ponies, correct? It, it really is. You know, I think anybody who takes on a, a big challenge in their life has a journey leading up to that challenge. Um, and I think that it's going to be very inspiring to us as people who love horses and are involved with the horse world in, in various aspects. Um, just to see how that relationship, you know, between human and animal can have so much impact on on a person. Claire, would you do this, the honor of reading us a small portion of your book? Yes, absolutely. I would be happy to. It's so hard to pick out a small portion because I know it's, it's, it's so tied together. You know these these different uh, these different sections of it. But what I will do is I will read a little bit of. Um, I'll, I'll just read the beginning of the introduction because this really sets up the book. Okay. And I think it'll just give people a better idea of what the book's about. Mm-hmm. So started each, each chapter with an inspirational quote. And this one starts, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. And that was a quote by Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin and something that inspired me to write. So this is a story about inspiration It's a story about family, faith, perseverance, and tenacity. This story is about a girl and her pony and the sport of endurance riding, but mostly it's about overcoming challenges and opening ourselves up to failure in the hope that we will grow, learn, and eventually succeed. It's about the human spirit, the holy spirit, the fire and the soul kind of spirit that helps us climb mountains and cross rivers, literally and figuratively. This is about the journey we must all take in life, one of highs and lows, successes and failures. This journey just happens to be along a 100-mile historic trail in the Sierra Nevada mountains, the setting for the most famous endurance race in the world. This is a story about Kyla Law and her small but mighty hackney pony Flash and how for one amazing day in a world dragged down by a worldwide pandemic, they inspired an international community as Slash became the smallest horse to ever finish the 100-mile, one-day Western States trail ride, the Tevis Cup. That's so and, beautiful. Um, That's so beautiful. That makes yeah, me thanks. want to read it. And if people do want to read your book, where should they look for it? Sure. Well, it is, as most things are, it's available on Amazon.com. Um, mm-hmm. You can also go to my 
website, which is ClaireEckardAuthor.com. I hope that some people who have not heard of this story and who hear of it here on your podcast will, will read about it because it's truly inspirational. What a beautiful tribute to the trail. The inspiration put them to words and then put that back to preserving the trail. I think that is just an amazing thing that you've done. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I have had a lot of feedback from people who have who have been part of an endurance history on that trail. And um, it has been very rewarding to hear from them that they found the way that I wrote about that trail to be inspiring and poetic and, and yet accurate, you know, mm-hmm. to their experience. So, so that's been part of the fun is meeting some more people that I'd never met before who gave who gave us some wonderful um, feedback on the book before it was ever published. As we start to wrap up here, Claire, I wanted to ask you some general um, author questions, which would be, you know, I would consider you a successful author. You've authored several books and you have a series. What advice would you give to aspiring writers who are just starting their journey in the world of writing and publishing, even one to add to that, if people don't have any thought of publishing, what do you find value in just writing? I love the second part to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, oh gosh, writing is so therapeutic. I mean, I really started digging deep into the writing during the COVID pandemic when, you know, everybody was was just wondering what was going on in the world and, and where we were headed. And, so I started writing, um, and for me, just laying down words and getting involved with the characters and the stories. To the first part of your question, if you know, if you are inspired to write, uh, it's it's a tough business. I'm going to be honest; mm-hmm. it was uh, way tougher than I expected. Um, not the writing part, not the editing part. Um, the hardest part for me has been sales and marketing. I think it's because when you're so passionate um, about what you've done and about the stories that you're telling and you just want people to, to pick it up and read it, it's just hard to get it out there. And, and again, the publishing world has changed. So I think you have to have that, that burning desire to do it. Otherwise, you're going to give up. And, uh, you know, I love that, um, you know, I'm seeing more and more books coming out by very talented um, endurance writers. This podcast has many purposes. I have kind of an eternal mindset. I have a mindset that think of what you're leaving behind. Even if you would love to sell a million copies and you didn't, but think of what you're leaving behind, what you have created. And I, I, I need to be better at journaling. Um, just something... I've thought about this a lot, just writing down a few lines daily, just in a journal, just write down a few lines daily. And the reason I think of that is because I think of what if I had that from my mother or Mm. from my grandmother or from my great grandmother? What if, I mean, I have my great grandmother's Bible and she does have some notes in it that are hard to read, to be honest, because she wrote quickly. Um, But occasionally I had a, a great aunt who would write to me, Again, she wrote quickly. So if you do journal, slow down so people can read what you write. I love going back and reading a letter that somebody wrote to me from a long time ago. So even if this podcast can, I hope we encourage your sales, but maybe we can inspire somebody to just open a notebook and write down two or three lines of their day and 
for me, the times that I have done that and I've gone back and read over it, or let's just even say you get a reminder on Facebook of a Facebook post where you wrote about something that happened at a certain time. Wow, I forgot about that, you know? But I, I think writing the details I like to write down, there's just, you know, people call it a gratitude journal, but just journaling in general, there's things like about this time of year that I love. Like on our property, we have a lot of cottonwood trees. That's just something I'm so grateful for daily that when I go out there, I don't express it to everybody. But if I wrote that down, someday my kids maybe or somebody would be like, wow, you know, mom really, really loved these cottonwood floaties that make it look like it's snowing in summertime and her wildflowers. And I just think if all of us could benefit by grounding ourselves a little bit by journaling, but we're also leaving a legacy for those that come after us. So there is a huge connectivity to putting words down on paper. I, I think your whole point of, of journaling to be able to pass that on is really important. And one of the things I do think about with this is, you know, I really hope that one day Kyla is sitting there reading this story to her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, that is um, that is an important part of this. Um, and I think, you know, it, it reminds us that we should never take things for granted and we should use the gifts that we have when we have them because you never know if they're if they're going to be taken away, you know. You never know. You know, you just yeah. never know. I have gotten, now I'm off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I'll make it a short tangent. But even <laughs> because I feel like we were supposed to do this, you know, and I think the timing was, was good because even like because you brought the pandemic up um i got so many emails and messages that you know that this was beyond super encouraging the war horse challenges and then and then i had a few i had a handful that said it helped them not end their life oh my god so you when you think something you're doing is having that kind of impact it's incredible um we recently watched Tim Ballard's movie, Sound of Freedom, and that thing got fought for five years before it got out. You know, in the movie, Jim Caviezel says, you know, number one, God's children are not for sale. And he says, number two, one of the lines from the movie that one of the guys said was, you know, when God makes it clear to you what you're supposed to do, you don't hesitate. You do it, you know. And I, I feel like you did that with this book. I feel like, like you said, doing things after 50, you know. And I had no idea I was going to learn how to run those challenges, how to do the podcast. I just went off of mm-hmm. what I was feeling I was led to do. And I make no money off the podcast. And I know I've been told I should. I, Jim and I both feel like, no, we're not putting ads on the podcast. It's just not what it's yeah. about. We don't want to do it. It costs us a few hundred dollars a year. That's fine. But, yeah. you know, never, ever six years ago when I started the podcast did I ever think I would be doing the challenges. That was so strange how that all happened. And then, you know, beyond that, having people um, write to me and say, I was thinking of ending my life, but you got me back out with my horse. And me getting back out with my horse pulled me out of a great depression and I didn't end my life, you know. Um, And then on the flip side of that, I've had people recently write to me and say, I would have never ridden that much without your challenges, and now I, my, I've lost my horse, and I have these 300 miles I would have not done, and I have all these memories because you encouraged me to document it, you know, so, yeah. so we have all of that, and it's just been, it's been a journey. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a ripple effect. You know, it's like you said, there are things that we are drawn to do and there's a reason for that and they have a ripple effect and we'll probably never know how many mm-hmm. people we truly touch. But but we do and that's, you know, that's amazing. And I mean, I've definitely been given back as much, if not more, you know, in this project and in the other project working with Julie because that deepened our friendship so much. Um, and she helped with this one a lot too. She reads everything that I write. You know, she's mm-hmm. my, my first per, my first go-to with, you know, how is this? Give me feedback, you know. Um, and, and gosh, I feel so blessed for that relationship. Like you, I love her book. Her book has inspired me, like seeing her fear, you know, someone at that level and that she went through periods of fear and, and stuff that she overcame, you know, it's helped me so many times when I've been afraid to get back on a horse, you know? Do you know, and, I cried yeah. reading that book. I was in my thirties yeah. and I used to do a lot of things in with horses, but one of the main things was jumping and and then when I became a mom, like, you know, you became a mom, you do these things. And I was fostering some really tough kids that consumed my life for many years. And I found Julie's book along the way. I don't even know how. Yeah. And as yeah. I was reading her book, it just hit me that my horse life wasn't over. And now I look like, why did I yeah. think that? Why did I think that? Yeah. Why did I think yeah. in my early 30s that horses were over for me? And I cried reading that book. And I was like, <laughs> I just thought this part of me was over. You know, yeah. but then when Julie, yeah. Julie says, you know, at 40 or whatever, that she just was beginning it. And then I read everything yeah. she did and I thought, it's not over for me, you know. No. And so, yeah, she really, um, she did more than horsey thing for me. She switched my, yeah. ma- she switched my brain. Yeah. Um, my yeah, mindset. Exactly. So, yeah, books are yeah. powerful. And I'm glad we got to talk a little bit on the side, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Claire, thank you so much for writing this book and sharing this journey and agreeing to talk with us and being part of the inspiration for this podcast. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. And you know, I am happy to come back anytime. So thank you for letting me share some of my stories with your listeners today. So we can buy your book on Amazon and can also get it on your website. Can you tell us your website real quick? Yeah, it's ClaireEckardAuthor.com, and all of my books are on there. And there's also links to uh, the music video and the documentary on there, too. So it's a good one, one-stop shop place to go to purchase books and see all of the things surrounding the books that we've done. Thank you, Christina. You're more than welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Warhorse Journal podcast. The War Horse Journal podcast is a sister podcast of Endurance Horse podcast and was created to highlight authors, artists, and authentic equestrians from across the country and around the world. If you'd like to become a part of the larger War Horse family, please consider joining in on one of our 100-mile challenges at www.warhorseendurance.com. You can join the War Horse Endurance Challenges with or without a horse. Many challenges have been completed hiking with family, friends, and canine pals. Our challenges are designed with you in mind and to give you a sense of community, connection, and a group of encouraging riders, drivers, and hikers to cheer you on. Join us today by visiting www.warhorseendurance.com.